discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We give God praise for this wonderful time again, even to share the word of God with you. And we know that as we have entered this new season of abundance and blessing, God has designed um, this season of this conference for our increase even in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. So I'm to share on what I've termed the blessings of God's economic values, the blessings of God's economic values. Now, in the kingdom, we must understand that there are different ways by which we are blessed. And um, Jesus Christ, by reason of the finished work on the cross of Calvary, perfected once for all our sanctification, once for all our redemption, once for all our purification, and in all this, there is the aspect of the manifestation of what has been perfected. So, in as much as God has finished everything that concerns our lives, we must understand that according to Hebrews 9.14, he offered his blood through the eternal spirit. So, it is a work that was done in time, stored, verified, and held up in the spirit. So that by faith, one can access it and replay it in time. That is how the work of our salvation and redemption is. So in as much as Christ is in us, in as much as the Godhead dwells in us, this does not deny our fellowship and our worship. Because our scripture has said that we are the circumcision that worship God in spirit, and have not confidence in the flesh, rejoicing in the Lord always. What Philippians 3 3 said. So, in as much as we are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit, does not negate our coming together as of the saints. And the Apostle Paul said it in Hebrews 10 25 that many people have forsaken the assembling together of the saints, of which many are in the habit of doing. So, he's saying that we ought to come together, and there's a purpose for that. The scripture said, God in the midst of his people is mighty. So the might of God is his displayed strength. So you can be born again, God is in you. But if you don't come together, what is in us cannot be displayed as might. Hallelujah. It is in the same light we also apply to the principle of prayer. Bible says, according to his divine power, in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, he had given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. So everything you need concerning living, natural living and supernatural living, God has given to you by his divine power. 
Yet, why do you pray? Prayer is the expression of the desire of what has already been given. So praying, he says, whatsoever ye desire, when ye pray. So he's saying that though God has done everything that concerns your life and your spirituality, if you don't desire it, it cannot show up. Many theologians have said in practice and from scripture that God is all powerful, but there's one element of humanity that resists his power. The Bible says in Psalm 78 that they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit the unlimitable? The unlimitable? He said because they turned their backs on him and remembered not his hand that had delivered him from, Israel, from captivity. So what it means is this. By free will, we can limit God. So though God is powerful, God is anointed, God is all grace, all glory, all majesty, your free will can limit God. Let me even give you an example. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, as newborn babes desire. So it means even when I'm born again, if I don't desire, I will not grow. So someone will say, I've come to church. Ah, why am I not growing spiritually? spiritually? It's not just coming to church. There must be an element of desire from your heart. That will make growth possible. <laughs> the free will aspect of our worship is so pivotal, we always throw it away. And this is the reason why people mistakenly and ignorantly argue that, you know, Jesus has died for me, so why do I have to give? He has given the ultimate sacrifice. Why giving? Then I ask you, why pray? <laughs> because he has given you all things. <laughs> why worship? Because we are the worshipers who worship in spirit. So he's trying to tell us that everything we are is in the spirit, but everything we are in the spirit by free will is manifested in the natural. Hallelujah. So we must understand that truth of a certainty and to bring us to a proper understanding of the value system of God. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus mentions the tricord of our Christianity. He said, when ye pray, pray not like the heathen and the publicans that stand in pulpit or in public to show forth their piety. He said, when ye give, he said, give when ye fast. He said, fast not like the publicans that want everybody to see their holiness and their, you know, religious exercises. So there are three main things Jesus said, when ye, when ye, when ye. Jesus didn't say if ye, he said when ye. When ye means it's an ultimate action that will ever happen. When means that no matter what you do, it's an event that will occur. <laughs> and one preacher once said, he said, if you don't pray now when you are at peace, you pray when you are in trouble. <laughs> so by all means, you pray. One day you pray. Make sure your prayer is by free will and not by force and not by duress. Number two, when you fast, if you don't fast willingly, situations will make you lose appetite. So there's a fasting that Obama has happened. <laughs> and when you give, and you have no idea. Sometimes when you give money to somebody to give you land and they run away with your money, sometimes it's a forceful giving. <laughs> you were not intending to give, but something made you give. <laughs> so by all means, these are events that will happen. <laughs> yes, you have to buy a new laptop, you have to buy a new phone. All those things are forceful giving. So these things are things Jesus said is fundamental for a Christian life. And we always like the prayer and fasting, but when it comes to giving, we don't like that aspect. But I know that we have learned, even in this conference, that scripture said, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love is expressed by giving. 
Love is expressed by giving. The picture and the intensity of your love is so manifested in the way you give. The same Matthew 6 said, he says that where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. So wherever you have put your emotional investment in is where you spend most of your money at. Where you spend your most money at. So beloved, I know a lot of us have said we love the Lord. But can God go into your account and find most of your money with him? <laughs> can God go into your account and find most of your money with him? And it's so, so important, the principles of giving. Now, I know in this conference we have learned about what giving is all about. But I want to touch on the economic values, the blessings of the economic values. Now, in as much as giving is necessary, there are economic values attached to every kind of giving. Now, when you check through scripture, there are five main types of giving. There is the giving of first fruits. There is the giving of alms. There is the giving of sight. There is the giving of seed. And there is free will offering. Five major givings. Now, all these givings have what they do. And it is going to be atrocious. Just as prayer has its mechanics, giving has its mechanics. It is the reason why many Christians say they have given, but they are not seeing the blessings of giving. There are dynamics to giving that changes a man from nothing to something. And the product of it is that you must be very intentional about your giving. We are very cursory about our giving. We take it lightly. We do not take it as important. And because of that, we lose a lot when it comes to the blessings that God has put in giving. Now, when it comes to the first of offerings, which is the first food, we see it in the book of Genesis chapter 4. When God asked them to bring the firstling, the first of their product from the soil, and that was in Cain and Abel. And Bible said when they brought it, as they brought it, the way Cain brought his offering was different from how Abel brought his offering. And because of that, it changed the way they were blessed. It changed the way they were blessed. Now that first fruit, according to Proverbs 3.9, he says, as you bring your first fruit of your increase, your bands shall overflow. From verse 10, he says, your bounds shall overflow. So the blessings of first fruit is for overflowing of your bounds. The Apostle Paul also spoke about it, I think in Romans chapter 16, I think 11 or 16 or so. He said that when you give the first fruit, the whole lamp is also secured. So to give first of your salary, first of your profit, First of your breakthrough, first of your farm produce, is to make secured and holy what is left. So the, that's what first food does. It secures and makes holy. It makes God in charge of that company or product. That is what first food does. And that's what the apostle said. He said, when you give your first fruit, what you do now is you secure the whole lamp. The whole lamp is, is secured. In Romans eleven sixteen. the whole lamp is also secured. So, first fruit is necessary. And a lot of people are struggling to keep jobs. They are struggling to have 
um, um, business advancement because the lamp is not holy. <laughs> you didn't give your first fruit. So the lamp that is left can be attacked. It's not for the Lord. To give your first fruit means that it's for the Lord. To give your first child means all your children are for the Lord. It's like that. Go read the Bible. When God was looking for a king, he went to Bathsheba's son. And the reason why he went to Bathsheba's son was so mysterious because Bathsheba came by adultery. The child was a product of adultery. Yet God chose that child, Solomon. Why? Adonijah was there. All of people were there. But the point was that they were legitimate sons, yet God did not choose them. It is because of what their mother did. The name of Solomon is actually Solomon Jedidiah Lemuel. So when Proverbs 30 and 31 was speaking about Lemuel, it was Bathsheba advising Solomon that my son, give not thy strength to women. <laughs> and actually, in Proverbs 30 and 31, he speaks about Solomon's name as the son of my vow. So Solomon was vowed to God. Why? When Bathsheba gave birth to the first child, because that one was not vowed to God and was a product of incest, the baby died. But because she was afraid that Solomon too would die, she vowed him to God that please don't kill this one. I'll give him to you. So the day God needed a king, he came for what was given to him. It's the same with Samuel. The moment Hannah gave Samuel to God, God chose Samuel as priest. He didn't go for Eli's children. He didn't go for another child. He went for the one that had been freely given to him. That is the principle of first fruit. The moment you give it to God, you tell God the whole business is yours. The whole house is yours. The whole, everything I have is yours. That's how your, the lamp is secured. So first fruit has what it does. Number two, we also have the uh, um, seed economic value of what we call almsgiving. And in almsgiving, Psalm 41 gives us the story of almsgiving. In almsgiving, you have lended to God. And because you have lended to God and considered the poor, God becomes your nurse, God blesses your food, your water, God delivers you from danger. God becomes your protective angel. According to what Psalm 41 from 1 to 5 says, God will deliver you in the time of trouble. When you call for help, God will make people readily available to also help you because you were help to someone. So that's what almsgiving does. Don't go giving money that is intended for the poor to another exchange rate. And I'll bring it, I'll bring it, that's uh, uh, what you call it, error we make. You know, we, 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 we must understand, let me say this, that the goal of God is that at your peak of giving, all these five must be working. But he starts with something first. <laughs> There's a starting point, but the end point is all five is happening in your life. You are giving to the poor, you are giving your first fruits, you are giving your tithe, you are sowing your seed, you are giving free will offering. Hmm. The next one is tithe. And this is where the argument comes. Plenty arguments. Why should we tithe in the New Testament? But go and read the Bible well. In Ezekiel's temple, the Bible says in that day, when the Lord has established his city and his tap, tap temple upon the earth, they will bring the tithe of the first fruit to Jesus Christ in the New Jerusalem. So even in the New Jerusalem, when Jesus is reigning 1,000 years on earth, people will be paying tithe. <laughs> so tithe predates the law and it will outlast the law. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there was a tithe before the law came. 
And of course, you know that there's a difference between the tithe of the law, which had the three-year tithe, the first year, second, third year tithe. That is the law. And there's also the tithe under grace, which is as a result of our divine connection to Abraham, who is our father. Why do you want the blessings of Abraham, but you don't want the actions of Abraham? <laughs> when Abraham gave tithe, he received communion. That is the blessing of the new covenant. You give tithe, the blessings of communion comes upon you. Hallelujah. So tithe, according to Malachi 3, says he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Beloved, don't joke with this. Some days ago, a couple came to me in the house and said to a man of God, for the past six months, our finances has been horrible. And I said, wow, is that so? He said, yes, myself and my wife, it's been difficult. I said, what is going on? He said, we began to, I began to pray to inquire. Then I noticed that I had not paid my tithe in the past six months. And he said, my wife also realized that, yes, she has also flouted in tithe for the past six months. And someone is saying, but God has destroyed Satan for you. Go read the Bible. In the book of Genesis, when Isaac had given birth to two sons, that was Esau and Jacob, the Bible said that God had blessed them before they came, that they are two great nations. But in that story, the Bible says something very powerful. Rebecca had Isaac calling Esau to go look for venison, so he received the blessing. And suggested to Jacob that go and get this thing and take over your brother. So that when you prepare the food, I will prepare it for you. Go and present it to your father, so that you receive the blessing. Do you know what Jacob said? Jacob said, I will not do this thing to bring myself under a curse. So beloved, you are born again. You are in the blessing. But your actions can put you under a curse. <laughs> he has redeemed you from the curse of the law. But you can willingly submit yourself to the influence of a curse. Yes, it's the truth. You can willingly. It's a choice. He didn't arrest you. You were not born into a curse. You are not cursed, but you are operating under curse. It's two different things. <laughs> the world are cursed. And they are bound by the curse and cannot be free by the curse till they accept Christ. But we, we are blessed. But some of us are operating under curses because of choices. Jacob was blessed from birth. He was the one God had ordained to carry the blessing. But his action put him under a curse. He had to reverse it when he met the angel to reverse that curse. Then he became a mighty nation. Till then, he struggled, suffering amongst men even his due wages. It's the same thing we do when it comes to our giving and our prayer life and our fasting life and all the spiritual things we do. Don't say because you are born again, there is grace. Grace is not licentiousness. Grace is empowerment for godly living. That's grace. <laughs> so what happens is that the moment you are born again, there are certain divine practices that subscribes to eternity, telling eternity and God that I am willing by this action to walk in what you have released. That is what this whole life is all about. Because Lazarus can die poor. Jake, Job will die rich. They are all in heaven. <laughs> it's your choice. How you want this life to feel like. So though you are putting on a case, don't get me wrong, you have not lost your salvation. You will still make it to heaven, but you have a twisted, difficult living because you are putting under case. If I dishonor my father, I have brought myself under a case, though I'm born again. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what when we don't pay tithe happens. 
This couple now said when they realized this, they immediately decided to start paying tight. So they went all of a sudden and went to gather the little they had. And they said, man of God, so when we remembered, we started paying tight. He said, from that day, we remembered your teaching. That as soon as I pay my last tight, an envelope is open for my next tight. I said, don't wait for money to come before you try to calculate how much came this week. No. Because if you do that, if you don't take it, you might, you might, you might take some of the money. <laughs> you will forget. So why don't you, after the last time you pay tight, when you get home, have special envelopes for your tight. Open it. So that every day, someone gave you 500 cities, put your 50 cities down. By the time you are ready to give it, that's when you close the envelope and seal it and bring it to the Lord. I will explain that practice in the scripture. Why it is needed to be done that way. God is not too much in, interested in the offering you bring. He's interested in the heart behind the offering. It's a very serious matter and i explain why. So in understanding this, we must see that tithe has what it does. It rebukes the devourer for your sake. He will rebuke the devourer from destroying your property, your car, your house, your body, Everything that is yours, the devil is rebuked. But the moment you fail to pay, though you are working, though you are laboring, the enemy will be perforating your pears and be leaking. So every time you are working, you are coming to church, all right, you are giving to the poor, but the very thing that will stop Satan from perforating your pears, you are not doing. So still you are losing money, though you are laboring and though you are getting breakthroughs. Hallelujah. Then we also have what we call free will offering. Psalm 95 says, bring to the Lord an offering, the glory due his name, in Psalm 95. So, free will offering is the glory due God's name. Beloved, free will offering is what we bring to Sunday service. That is not seed per se. Hear me well. Today, I want to touch on the technicalities of seed. That's why I said I wanted to touch on the blessings, but I'll focus more on seed. So the glory due God's name is the free will offering you bring to the Lord. Bring an offering even to his courts in Psalm 96, yes. So when you come to the Lord, what you come to the Lord with on Sunday is free will offering. It's the reason why a lot of people go like, ah, I'm giving offering in church, ah, I'm still not seeing financial breakthrough. That's free will offering. <laughs> it's God's glory. It is your worship seed. That's not seed per se. And I explain why I'm saying what I'm saying. When it comes to seed, it's a different ball game altogether. In fact, I've mentioned all these terms of giving, tithe to the storehouse of God, offering, free offering, Sunday service, or any service you have, you put it in the basket. We also have um, first fruit. Bringing it to the house of God, you also have alms giving, giving to the poor. Seed is a little different. Now, this seed, the reason why I'm saying it's different is because the reason it is called seed is actually a linkage to the continuance of life. It is seed because that is that which continues life. And as its name is, Continuance of life implies that seed, technically from scripture, is connected to givers of life. So technically, 
Seed is given to spiritual parentage and physical parentage. These are the two people who receive seed. <laughs> A poor person does not receive seed. He receives arms. In technicality. Don't get me wrong. We, we usually call everything a seed. But if you put it in... Some, some people even call tight seed. Tight is not a seed. In fact, scripture said in Malachi 3, 10 and 11, he said, bring all the tights. Now, if it is yours, if you come for my car and I ask for my car back, do I say give my car back? I will ask you, bring my car back. Bring means it's my, it's my car. Bring it back. So bring all tights means the tight is for God. It is God's money. It's not so. When you give tight, you don't even expect thank you. Because it's God's money. God gave it to you to hold for a while. It's not your money. It's God's money. In fact, if you even want to argue, who gave you the anointing to get the job? Who gave you the breakthrough for the job? Who answered the prayer by giving you salary increase? So it's still his money. If he didn't increase it, you will not get any breakthrough for that cause. So bring means it's for God. So tight is not even in the category of seed at all. It's different. And if you read scripture, God is able to separate the offerings. In God's mind, the offerings are not the same. Check scripture. Hebrews 10, 5 down to 7. He says, burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. So he separates burnt offerings from the other sacrifices. They are not the same to God. Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. So in God's sight, burnt offering is not in the class of sacrifices. It's not in the class of peace offering. It's not in the class of trespass offering. It's not in the class of sin offering. Because burnt offering, you have done nothing. It's a free will, holy offering of consecration. But sin, you did something, that's why you're paying. Trespass, you have offended somebody, that's why you're paying. Peace offering, you have lost your peace, that's why you're paying it. But burnt offering, you did nothing. But because of his righteousness... You'll bring it to the Lord. So in God's sight, burnt offering stands alone from the sacrifices. So likewise, our givings has rankings. Our givings have rankings. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I want to focus on one of the givings that mean a lot to the Lord. Why am I saying that? We usually give free offering and we think we have given seed. Or we'll give to the poor. We think we have given seed. But the exchange rate for the poor is not the exchange rate for seed. We, we sometimes help our parents in the house. And in our mind, we are doing something. And as we go along this journey, we put ourselves in a place where we are expecting certain economic revelations and manifestations that are not products of our giving. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, the preacher talks about prosperity, finances. A good name is better than riches. A good name is better than riches. Then he comes down to say in verse 5, verse 6, that the rich man ruleth over the poor man. Uh -huh. And the borrower is subject to the lender. In verse 7, the borrower is subject to the lender. But verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he goes, you will not depart from it. I'll come to the scripture again. But I like what verse 8 says. In verse 8 of Proverbs chapter 22, he says, he that soweth iniquity. Now, if you read the scripture, you ask, what does it mean to sow iniquity? Actually, the Hebrew text reads it, iniquity not as a noun, but as an adjective. So he that soweth iniquitously, so it's like an adjective, is explaining the sowing. 
It means that the, the Septuagint calls it phallus. Phallus means flawed. So he that flawly sows, or he that sows flaws, shall reap vanity. <laughs> he shall reap nothingness. In fact, it says he shall reap sorrow. Some version says you reap sorrow. <laughs> so the reason why a lot of you, after sowing, you are still sad is because you were sowing flawly. You were sowing flawed seeds. Your sowing was flawed. And I'll show you how to sow flawless seeds. Because if you, are, you, if you don't take care, that's the church people are getting frustrated. And look at what verse 9 said. Look at what verse 9 said. Verse 9 says that he that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. <laughs> because he's talking about the way to give, and this has to do with giving. Your blessing is in your bountiful heart. As 2 Corinthians 9, 6 said, he that soweth spirally shall reap spirally. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. You reap bountifully. So let's then go into what this seed sowing thing is all about. Why are we talking about seed sowing? It's so important. In my small years of being a Christian, I have noticed one thing. One of the greatest places people get frustrated in is that they've given and given and given and given. And they have not seen anything from their giving. And when you even meet people and they ask you how and what is the secret of your blessing, they can't believe that it is the same giving they've been given. They are wondering, what is it about yours that is making yours work and mine is not working? <laughs> because there are dimensions to it. There are dimensions to this giving that is so dangerous. And I pray that as we go through, we will not give flawed seeds. Coming to church on Sunday and giving a seed is what we call seed, a free will offering, sorry. It's a free will offering. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, from 1, he says, when you gather, 1 Corinthians 16, 1, he said, when you gather on the first day of the week, receive the collection of the saints. Aha. And that's what he was talking about. The offering you give when you gather on Sunday is not technically seed. It's an offering for worship. And that one is received when you gather. But I'm saying to you now that this seed Paul was talking about was what was collected for the saints. But notice what Paul also said, that no one communicated concerning his needs except for the church in Macedon. So there was a seed they gave to church as church service offering. That was different from seed they gave to Paul personally. Two different kinds of seeds. One is free will offering for Sunday service, worship, and glory due God's name. And there was a seed you give to a man. And I'm saying that the man that receives seed, anytime you are technically saying you are giving seed, it must go to progenitors of life, biological parents or spiritual parents. Hear me and hear me well. Spiritual parentage, I mentioned that. So it can be a mentor, it can be somebody who has blessed you in the spirit. That's what Galatians 6 says. Even Galatians 6, a lot of people take it out of context. Verse 6, he says, let him that is blessed in all thought communicate in all his good things to the one that teacheth him. And the teach here is not a preacher on TV, you see. It's like it's so easy for you to send a seed to Benihim, but you are struggling to give to your pastor in church. And that's an error. That's a wrong, that's a wrong transaction. Because the word that is used here, taught, is the word katakeo, where you get the word catechist. And in the Greek, it means indoctrinator. So the one who you communicate your good blessings to is the one who has indoctrinated you. 
the one who has given you mindset. Not a popular preacher who says something that bless your heart. No. Because if you didn't know, it's the one who gave you mindset that made you appreciate the, that secondary preacher's blessing. Hallelujah. It's so important that we understand. If you don't understand the dynamics of giving, it creates a problem. And I've seen it so many times. It's easy to appreciate a popular man of God than your own pastor because you see him every day. But the strange thing about the spirit is that if you don't respect your pastor, you will not respect Benihin. It's just a matter of time. If you get close to Benihin, you start looking down on him. It's a spirit you carry, not the personality you are seeing. Yeah, Bishop Doug once they said a story that he was preaching and one of his pastors was sleeping on him. So he was wondering whether he was anointed or not. It disturbed him so much. It's nothing painful that hey, members can sleep, but your pastor sleeping is a dangerous spirit. It can really cause you to wonder what is happening here. No notes, no writing. They are just looking at you dying, like, oh, I'm chewing his hand and folding his hand. Like, what? I, I can grab what you are saying. Like, I remember everything you said. And Bishop said it really made him sad. Then they went for a trip a month later to a Benihin healing conference. This is your day. Then the same guy, Bishop that was writing. So he said he's turning to check if the guy was writing Benihin. He was asleep in Benihin's meeting. Yes, that's the truth. That tells me something that is so true. The greatest test of your connection to God is the greatest test of your connection to the man God gives you. Because if this man you can see, remember Jeremiah 3.15 says, I, the Lord, will give you pastors after my own heart. Some translation says, I will give you men, pastors I trust. So to distrust a person Jesus trusts is a serious matter. Jesus said, I trust this man. I have seen him allow my process in his life. So even when he's wrong, I know because I trust him, he can come back on track. So if I trust him, you too can trust him. And I give you such a man, and you dishonor him, you have consequently dishonored me. Jesus said, he that received you has received me. So if you receive the man God sends to you, then you have received the Lord who sent the man. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Your pastor does not come in his name. He comes in the name of the Lord. So receiving your pastor is receiving the Lord. But what then causes this seed sowing to be a problem? What makes it difficult for us to give as we ought? Why? Is it that when we give our seeds, we don't see anything happen? The issue is Anna. 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 And why am I saying Anna? The Bible says, children, Ephesians 6, this one, obey your parents in the Lord. Anna, your mother and father. Children, obey your parents in the law, for this is right. Anna, your mother and father. So when I read this scripture, I was like, ah. Children must obey. But when they grow, they come to the place where their Anna is not obedience alone. They have to honor their mother and father. So I want to check the word Anna. And do you know the interesting thing of the word Anna? In the Greek, is the word time, T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. And that word time has to do with monetary value and reverential treatment. And of course, if you want to do some word play, it's also time. Time is also time. 
So it means give time to your father and mother. That's Anna. <laughs> and give money to your father and mother. And I've always said it. Anna is without. Anna cannot be Anna without money. Anytime you see in the Bible Anna, there is monetary value connected to it. There is monetary value connected to it. So Malachi 1 says, if I be your father, where is my Anna? And he was talking about money. <laughs> where is my Anna? Give unto the Lord the honor due or the glory due his name. It's the same word. Unto the Lord. Where is my honor if I'm your father? Beloved, honor. Listening is the seed for learning. If you don't listen, you will never learn. So if you are quick to talk, especially when God brings you close to great people and you, don't, you are not quick to listen, you will not learn anything in that transaction. You must be fast to listen. Even things they say without realizing they said it, to listen. And when there's nothing being said, ask a question so you can listen again. <laughs> and if you don't get that one too, it says after that one, fellowship is the seed for action. Anytime you are doing something you are not used to doing, check who you are hanging out with. Hmm. Check who you are hanging out with. God designed us to do what we fellowship with. So if I fellowship with prayer people, all of a sudden I like to pray. If I fellowship with word people, all of a sudden I'm reading the Bible. That's why the greatest instruction in the new covenant is to behold. The moment I can see, I'll start doing without realizing what I'm doing. So I have to just behold the right thing and I'll start doing what I'm looking at. We all with unveiled faces beholding as the Lord. Moses didn't need to pray to shine. Once he beheld the Lord who was shining, he began to shine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7. He that walketh with a fool shall become a fool. Why? He has observed foolishness. So foolishness would unconsciously rub off. He'll start doing it. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I am telling you the truth. So what you fellowship with gives you action to do. That's why according to the law of first mention, God reverentially communicated to man the power of fellowship. When he came to Adam and Adam had eaten the tree, Listen to the first thing God said. He said, Lord, I heard thy voice and I went to hide myself in Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord said, who told you? God asked Adam, who told you? Now that phrase implies that, who have you been with? Because I've been working with you all this while. God should have said, it's a lie. You are not naked. But God knew Adam was naked. But because God never exposed his nakedness, God never discussed that as a subject. So God knew that if this boy has become conscious of his nakedness, he has been hanging out to somebody who is not supposed to be there. And let me say this, in all humility and sincerity, the conversation you don't have with God, Satan will have with you. Anything you don't talk to God about, the devil will talk to you about it. So you better increase your fellowship. Ebarabashaba. <laughs> So God knew that that's why God didn't tell Adam how to name a tree. All God needed to do was to come and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And Adam knew that a lion is a lion. All God needed to do was to hang out with Adam. And he knew that fellowship was tutelage. As we walk, he will know. As we walk, he will do. He saw God name things and it became. So when it was time for Adam to also name the animals, what he had seen was what he was doing. The greatest potency in life is fellowship. 
That is why when Jesus came for three years, he didn't put them in a classroom, didn't teach them seven laws of prosperity, 85 mean, uh, leadership skills. No, no, no. Be with me. And he even rebuked them in Matthew 17, 17. How long will I be with you? So fellowship is the reason why you can do the things you do. So fellowship is the seed for action. If your actions are becoming disloyal, check any disloyal person you're hanging out with. Actions are becoming godless. Check any godless person who is hanging around you. Because the moment they are coming around, you are watching someone's status of naked women dancing. With, it's a matter of time. You are becoming it. You are, you are fellowshipping with these things. You are hanging out with people who don't mind showing their nakedness. It's a matter of time. You will not realize very soon your, your, what you used to sew your dress up here to now be coming down here because you, you, have, you have fellowship with people. It's become nice. Your eyes have been desensitized. It's a matter of time. So if you want to go far, check your fellowship ring. Check the ring of your fellowship. It will change the way you do things and where you go. So Anna is actually the seed for access. What you don't act, Anna, you will never access. So that's why Satan always creates in our midst the spirit of dishonor. He creates in our fellowship, in our ministries, in our houses that spirit of dishonor so that we cannot access the blessedness of fellowship through the people God brings our way. Hallelujah. So then, seed sowing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the verse number 10, he said, Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both ministered bread for your food, multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now seed, like I said, is that which you give as your honor to them who are progenitors of life. So what you give to your biological parents who gave birth to you, your guardians who took care of you, your spiritual parents, your pastors, those who have raised you in the Lord, your mentors, those are the people who deserve seed. And Bible says God gives you seed like that because you see, Ecclesiastes puts this statement in a very funny way in Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1, he says that God giveth you bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Yet Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, that bread which is for your food, you still have to cast it. Can you imagine? Cast thy bread upon the waters, and after many days you come. He didn't say cast your seed. He said cast your bread. Because someone has given 10%, they say, oh, that's all. The 90 is for me. No. In the 90, is bread to be eaten and bread to be cast. I'm not touching on that today. Huh. That speaks about stewardship. Huh. The principles of savings and investments. That's for kingdom. Huh. When you read scripture, it's there. When the rich man who had increased in wealth built bands for himself and was happy, he said, look, my soul, rejoice, enjoy yourself. And say, Bible says the issue God had with him was not that he had saved. The issue was the reason why he saved. He saved to enjoy himself. And God said he's a fool. Because it means God is telling you that once you become born again, your savings should be for him. What do I mean by that? If you have an investment, save so that one day you can give your first one million Ghana city. <laughs> you are not saving. So no, 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 no. 
Savings toward, he said he was not rich toward God. That's the phrase. Rich toward God means that everything you are gathering must be God-oriented. I'm saving for God so that the day I need a house, I'm not going to say, oh, I've saved 200 million Ghana cities so I can go and, no, 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 no. I still kneel down in faith, asking for a house. Then the owner of my investment will tell me, that 200 million you saved, take 1 million for a house. Then I say, yes, Lord, because it is his money. That is how you become totally and fully devoted to God, even when you have millions. Because every morning, you still ask for your daily bread, though you have much in the account. He permits you to touch the account. He permits you to buy that expensive shoe. If he does not allow it, let it go. Yeah, I'm telling you, there are times I want to buy something so nice. God said, don't buy it. I said, Lord, he said, don't buy it. Rather go and sow a seed. I remember I was working many years ago, and someone came to the office with some land, Proposals that oh they are selling some land service lands at Kaswa. At that time it was three thousand two hundred cities, and they are doing a proposal, so it's half the cost. Thousand seven something. So I said, oh, I should come, I should come and buy it. I said, yeah. So I was so interested, and I started praying to the Lord. Said, don't try. I said, Lord, why? He said, the money you thought you have for the land, go and give it tonight. I said, ah, <laughs> Lord, I want to buy land. He said, no, go and give it. Can you imagine as soon as I obeyed the Lord, after three months, someone called me that he had bought two plots of land for me in the same casua. Yeah. And I didn't use my money. I was going to buy one plot. I sold it. God said, bring me, I'll give you two plots free. Free of charge. Free of charge. You have no idea what God has for you. <laughs> but Satan has increased selfishness. So the first thing is to, I'm telling you, a time should come when you travel. You see a nice, you like, this suit to look good on my pastor. Yes, because you, when you wear that thousand Ghana suit, you are in the audience. Your pastor, he stands in front of the camera. So he should don't know you that, ah, he has more use of it than me. <laughs> that, that, that's the way you should be thinking. No, 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 of course. If they buy me a plane right now, I'll give Pastor Oti a plane right now. We, we know ourselves. We are, we are not ready for a plane. So we're going to give it to who is ready for a plane. You know what it takes to have a plane? You have to pay pilot fees per DM. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aviation fuel, hunger, fees, cost. No, 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 no. You should just know that this is not time. Or you go, if somebody goes to buy you a $10,000 watch, be wise. The watch is the most expensive thing in your life. And you didn't buy it yourself. Do you know what that means? You are renting a house, yet you are wearing a $10,000 watch. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> you don't have the capacity to carry that blessing. <laughs> And Bishop Pedro Paul says, he says, even when you are taking your children to school, make sure your school fees does not require faith. It means that there are certain things in your life, it must come at the commensurate, unconscious revelation of faith. You don't need faith for school fees. There are other matters that need faith. Don't waste it on school fees. So if the school fees is demanding faith, look for another school so your faith will be having rest. Can you use it for other things? School fees always terrorizing you. Look for that four and five schools. Send them, send them to government school and have freedom of mind. When God increases your faith, then you take them to whatever Montessori or whatever international school you want to go. You cut your coat according to your size. I advise somebody right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you see a pastor is in a nice suit. You don't know the garage they have eaten. <laughs> you have no idea where they've been before. And that's why you see them say, hey, Grace. 
It's a nice picture, but you're not meditating on the story that they've come from somewhere too. What then is the seed that we are talking about? Paul says something very beautiful in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul spoke in from verse 7. Now, this church is a very powerful church. It's like that was Paul's bank. The Philippians were actually the, the Macedonians. They were connected. And Paul, they were in the region of Macedon, so they were part of the Macedonian people he was talking about. And Paul spoke expressly throughout his epistle to this church. In fact, in Philippians 1, verse 6, he says that, that God is able to do and perfect his work amongst you, even unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that has begun a good work, he will bring it to a perfect end. And if you read it in context, the good work was their giving work. Verse 5, verse 5 says that he is speaking and giving glory to God for their fellowship, not with the gospel, but in the gospel. When the gospel speaks about how they have received the word of God, but in the gospel means that they have fellowship. They have, and so the word fellowship here, the moment he uses the, what do you call it, the, the figure of speech in, it's not talking about, uh, uh, what do you call it, normal fellowship as we sit together. Because if you use with, then we are talking of their hearts in the same ministry. But amplified, okay. Amplified. What does amplified say? Aha. The amplified version says, thank you. Yes, it says, I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation, contributions, and partnership in advancing the gospel or the good news from the first day since I met you. So in context, verse 6 is talking about this partnership. Verse 6 says, he that has begun a good work uh -huh, in you will perform it. So he's saying that that thing God stirred up in you to partner the gospel. Many times a lot of us partner the gospel for a year and we are tired. Or when we don't talk about partnership again, you think partnership does not exist. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. And Paul was saying, I'm very confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work, that good work of partnership in the gospel. So he's saying that, scripturally speaking, to partner the spread of the gospel of God is a good work. That must be with you till Jesus shows up. It's a good work that must be with you till Jesus shows up. There are many things that pleases the Lord in the scripture. In fact, there are about 10 in all. But out of the 10, there are about three of those. You know, there's one, you know, if you walk and serve the Lord with all your heart and all diligence, he's pleased with you. A man that has a straight way before the Lord is, is pleasing unto the Lord. But there are three major scriptures that God said provokes well-pleasingness. And all those scriptures are connected to giving. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. They are connected to giving. See what he said. He says in a piece of right, verse 8. All right, go down to verse 10. Verse 10. In Philippians 4.10. He said, but I rejoice greatly uh -huh, that your care of me have flourished again. This is where a lot of us miss the blessings of God. In this context, Paul was speaking, when you read up to verse 13, he says, I have received of you an offering. And Paul made a statement that blesses my heart. He says, it's not that I need anything. You don't give because the church needs money. You don't give to a man of God because you think his shoes are worn out. No, that's not how giving works. That, that 
is outside giving. That is, you know, a, a kind of spirit that is not godly. But when it comes to giving, he's saying that I have nothing that I need. I'm content. That's what 11 says. And what does 12 say? Verse 12 says what? In Philippians 4.12, he speaks about how that I know how to abase, I know how to abound. He said, in every which way, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. But verse 13 says what? I can do all things. So in context, I can do all things through Christ means that you know how to suffer need. <laughs> and you know how to enjoy wealth. <laughs> None of these things make you complain. So it means there's no fair weather Christianity with you. When things are bad, you're excited. When things are also good, you're still excited. Nothing changes your excitement. That is what this scripture actually means. We usually quote it as powerful, secondary interpretation. But primarily, he says, I know how to be hungry and I know how to be full. I can do all things. The all things here is the ability to be hungry and full in any situation and still not complain. But 14 says what? Verse 14 now says what? Notwithstanding, ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. So Paul said, though I needed support, I was able to endure the, the, the lack, and I was okay. But you did well, and you were able to communicate, the word communicate is to give to me in my time of need. 15. Now ye Philippians also know that since the beginning of the gospel, chapter 1, when I departed from Macedon, the region of Macedonia. No church communicated to me concerning giving and receiving but ye only. So he's saying that when I left the region of Macedon, you were the only church that did what the people in Macedonia also did. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire food that may abound to your account. Now, this word account here implies that every offering we are giving God, there's a record in heaven. In Mark 12, the Bible says when Jesus went to the temple, he sat in the forecourt and saw the rich and the poor give. Then a widow came to give her mites, two mites. Two mites is not what she had. The widow's might is not the widow's M-I-G-H-T, might. It's not her strength. No, that's not what they are. Might is M-I-T-E-S. It is a currency. So the widow's might was like two pennies. That's all she had. She gave the wife. Please don't become a widow when it comes to giving. A lot of people go like, oh, man of God, I don't have a lot of things. This is my widow's might. Because of offering, you have become a widow. <laughs> it is what she had. So instead of saying this is my widow's mind, rather say this is Adam's cities. <laughs> this is Adam's dollars. This is Adam's euros. That's what it means. It is the widow's currency. And the Bible said when she went, she went to give her mites, which make a farthing. So it's a very, in fact, if you read scripture in Matthew 6, he says that the sparrows of the air, the birds of the air, your fathers, he said they are as cheap as a farthing. <laughs> so it was very, it means the widow's offering was equal to a sparrow. Bolabed. That's the, that's the amount she was giving. It says, which make a farthing. And it's the same amount Jesus was saying that the best of the sky, whose worth is equal to a farthing. Your father. Your father knows that you need. Verse 43. What does 43 say? Verse 12. It says that, and he called the disciples to come and see what the widow was casting. And when he sat down to give, they all realized that the woman had given out of her living, whilst the others gave out of her their abundance. I'm going to touch on those words soon. But in Luke's account, Jesus didn't call the disciples. 
Neither did he enter the temple. Bible says he sat outside the forecourt. And when he sat outside, instead of him to look inside, he rather looked up. See, go to verse, okay, so the previous verse from 20. Now, when he looked up, he was in the temple now. Jesus now rather looked up. He didn't look at them. He looked to heaven and saw what they were given. So you think you are giving in church, but God is also writing what you are giving. One of the greatest records God will bring up on the day of judgment is your amount you gave. That's why the Bible says that Paul said it, that food will abound to your account in heaven. There's an account in heaven for every financial transaction you've carried out. And the most painful part is that you will get to heaven and money is intended for God. You will expend it on else, elsewhere. That's embezzlement. You might suffer loss and you will suffer loss because you embezzled God's money. It is God's money. Why do you think he gave you the contract? He gave you a $30,000 contract. You thought it was about you or your intelligence. No, it is for him. You use it for yourself and forgot him. So when we got to heaven, the heavenly account has a record of only $100 out of $30,000 that came back to God. You give account. You give account. That's one thing I'm always very careful of personally when I discovered this. So what I do is that I have a book I write what I give. Every giving is written. Since 2010, I have notebooks, small notebooks. I write January. So as we are entering August, I write August. Then I write August 1st. I gave seed. I gave offering. I helped somebody. Uh, a neighbor received 500 CDs. I write everything. So at the end of the month, I can know how much God brought and how much went back to God. I know it's not always accurate. But at least it gives me a picture. And if you record, you'll be surprised what you are doing to God. If you record five, 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 five CDs, you'll be shocked what you have given God at the end of the year. <laughs> you'll be shocked some of you have given only 300 CDs the whole year to God. The whole year. Yes. Because you can't give beyond five Ghana. Meanwhile, you have spent more than that on the, sh the show you are wearing is 400 CDs. One purchase is more than what you've ever given the Lord in the whole year. <laughs> it is a false balance. And that is an abomination. Beloved, the spirit of giving, Paul now says that when we come to this place, there's a reason for the giving. Now, what's this reason? Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 30. Ezekiel 44, 30. I'll touch on the reason for the giving, so I'll come back again. I said to you that seed is the principle of life. See what he said. And the first of all, the first fruits of all things, and every oblation, so it's not just first fruits, oblation is also sacrifice, of every sort of your offerings shall be the priests. Ye shall also give unto the priests the first of your dough. So also means that aside your first fruits, aside your oblations, you must also give. At that time, he was linking it to the, the law tithe. In the law tithe, you don't just give money. You also give produce. You bring lambs, you bring corn, you bring literal produce. So that's why I said, and also your dough, that he may bless it, that the blessing may rest upon your house. This is what Elijah did to the widow as after. She told the widow, do mine first, because of his good for 430. The problem with many people in their giving is, the moment you misplace priority, your giving life will be messed up. C.S. Lewis said, when first things are first, second things will not be oppressed or suppressed. The reason why second things are not second things is because first things were not first. 
And the first is that God, Iyaba, when you get money, the first person you think about is God. God. And since God is spirit, and will not <laughs> come and blow a wind and zap all the currencies to heaven, what it means to say is that there are people God has chosen for you. Not everyone, he gave you a picture of a person, that this person is my representation. These are the people. You, you, you think first, and that thinking, Bible says, as soon as you exact it, blessing comes on your house. That's what he, he, Elijah said to the woman. He said, if you don't do mine first, the rest will not be blessed. So do mine first. So the problem is this. A lot of people are giving, but they don't give first. They, it's, it's like what I was saying in Mark chapter 12, verse 44. Bible says, all the rich people gave out of their abundance. But the woman gave out of her living. The literal actually is trying to say that the people who gave out of their abundance gave out of their surplus. They paid light bill, paid electricity, did everything they had to pay before what was left was what they looked for to see if they can give to God. That is why people are giving but are not blessed. God is the principle of first. That in all things Christ might have the preeminence. It means that in everything God seeks to be the first amongst all. He wants to be the first person you think about when money hits your hand. Beloved, it's not just about giving God. It's a, it's a spirit of God is first. So when they receive any amount, even the one you sweat for, the one you hustle, the one you went into business meetings to receive, as soon as their money hits your account, the discussion must be with God. God, if I take my tithe out, you know I have to pay my workers. The Lord say yes. And I have to pay their workers this amount of money. I have to do this. So you do the mass with God. Then after that, you tell the Lord, so how much do I give you? When God says, oh, give me a thousand, then you put God's thousand out. Before you touch everything, the rest will be blessed. But if you do everything before you go like, oh, yeah, I have to do God's. That's why I tell people that get your personal envelope in the house. Because you see, it is the greatest insult to divinity. For you to look for the best envelope, most psychedelic envelope to give to the natural president of a country. But you give any kind of squeezed envelope that is dirty. And you know the way some people can give and they've canceled the envelope and they've squeezed it because you don't see God. It's, 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 you have no idea. Angels are observing your manner of service. I have different colors of envelopes, I'm telling you. And each color means something. And I explain why that happens. <laughs> God must be first. And the mind is so amazing, if you don't train it to make God first, it might take God for granted. Do you know what God does sometimes? Let me show you a secret. Some of you, God will just test your heart. He won't bring the real money, but he will give you the opportunity for the money. So someone will call you, they will have a business deal for a 1 million Ghana city. Your profit will be 200,000. You are like, wow, 200,000. That whole night you didn't sleep. And the shocking part was that you were dreaming about the next car you are going to buy. That visa you are going to fly out of Ghana and your bank account will be nice and you can travel. So God is just watching you just as he did Israel. Not that he doesn't know. He wants you to realize your own self what is in your heart all along. So God will just test you with an opportunity. And when you fail, that's why the next one, the person says, oh, I've changed my mind. Or they can't call you again. God says you failed. The money became your idol. A certain man said somebody brought him 100,000 Ghana City. And for two nights he couldn't sleep. So he woke up one day and said, no, I cannot be controlled by this money. He went to give all the 100,000 so he could sleep. Yeah. 
Yeah. If the money is making you sleepless, you should know it's an idol. <laughs> if you hear somebody send $1 million and you can't sleep, it's an idol. It means you will never have it. Why? Even the Lord himself says to you, children, abstain from idols. Do you think he will give you an idol? <laughs> it will never come. The day it loses its idolatry status in your life is the day $1 million will hit your account because it no more moves you. It won't change your posture. Some of you, as soon as you get 1,000 or 2,000 CDs in your account, you feel big. It's so amazing. You are feeling good like you have 1,000. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> That's what's <I> offering. <laughs> and you think you have something. Weekly offer, you think you have something. And God says, you don't know where you are going. If you did know, my goal is not for 1,000 to be with you. My goal is for 1,000 to leave you. And it doesn't affect you. Hallelujah. This seed sowing is a serious thing. And I know we all sow seed, but I've shown you the people to give to. The people to give to. And I'm showing you how to give the given. And I'm saying that when you are given, it must not be out of your abundance, out of your surplus. It must be the first transaction you think about. First transaction. After tight, who do I bless? Who do, because you see, let me show you a secret today. For instance, when you come to love economy, God has raised your father, Pastor T, to be a spiritual cabin over all of you. Whether you like it or not, or you know it or not, whether you are conscious of it or you are not conscious of it, there's a covering over you. Whether you see your pastor's face or you don't see your father's face, there's a covering over you. You know why? Just as with Israel, the high priest wore an ephod with all the tribes on his chest. So whether you see the high priest enter the temple or not, he is standing on behalf of you in front of God. So whether you see pastor or you don't see pastor, anytime he kneels down and he says, Father, love economy, everyone under his watch is in that prayer. It's in that prayer. So you don't say, oh, you know, some people play that traditional church system. Your pastor prophesied to you. And so because of that, you have to sow a seed. No, 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 no. Even if you didn't see him prophesy to you, he's kneeling down was the reason why you are getting breakthrough. So when it comes to the issue of covering, it's not necessarily because of sight. It is as a result of spiritual influence that sometimes you are not aware of. It has delivered you a lot. And a lot of Christians do that because it's like they give when it's like you are calling them a lot, you are checking up on them, they feel loved. That's why they feel like, oh, then let me bless Pastor. He's doing well. <laughs> let me sow a credit into your life. <laughs> but you don't know. You don't know. Hallelujah. And let me shock you today. <laughs> your man of God does not need your money. L let me say it. In all humility, it's not pride. It's true. If you ask any serious man of God who loves the Lord, his weekly budget is your five-year annual salary put together. Weekly. You are paying rent. You are paying school fees. You are helping people go to school. At the same time, too, you are building. Yeah. You have no idea. The budgetary allocation God gives a man of God, you have no idea. Many times, your pastor is the highest giver in the church. So when we all, oh, let's give to this ministry, or let's do this project, and we all give, and we have 5,000 cities, and we need 10,000, it's pastor who had the 5,000 from his personal account. <laughs> Many times. So don't assume that, oh, you are helping, you say lie. That's why since you stopped giving, he's still going. He doesn't need your money to go anywhere. It's God who sustains us. 
Because it's, that's why it's the greatest privilege for God to find you ready to help, not even help, to partake of grace. To enter that office. Bishop Dan does not need my seat. Pastor Chris does not need my seat. I need their anointing. I need what they carry. Because if I don't do it, God will send them to do someone else to do it. That's the mystery of the servants of God who are true to God. If no one feeds Elijah, ravens will feed him. And the sons of the prophets disgrace themselves. No one asks how Elijah eats. It's only Elisha who showed up. So since Elisha showed up in Elijah's life, it was not recorded again that God needed to send ravens to feed him. The man sold his oxes and gathered money because he knew following has monetary value. You can't follow without money. Hallelujah. This is a serious matter. I know, I know Doctor shared with us that money is important to God. Yeah. And it's so important because Amongst all the things Jesus preached about, 500 times he spoke about prayer, 2,300 plus times he spoke about money. One third of his parables was about money. 29%, almost 30% of his parables was all about money. Money answered all things. So money is necessary. It's very important. So I need to understand the dynamics when it comes to giving. Once you understand these dynamics, God will put you on a dimension where nothing, nothing, I mean nothing, shall be limited even in your manifestation in the name of Jesus. Now, Paul says something in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Philippians 2, 25. All right. Now, he said, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Can you read the Amplified for me? Amplified. Amplified. The Amplified says, however, I thought it necessary to send a prophetess back to you. He has been my brother, companion in labor, my fellow soldier, as well as having come as your special messenger, apostle, and minister to my need. What he was saying was this, that Epaphras or Epaphroditus was giving seeds to Paul. He was blessing the life of Paul. Paul said, this man is your, is your, your special apostle. At the same time too, he's not just your special apostle. He's also my brother. He's a co-laborer in the gospel. But he's also one that ministers to many. Now the Greek word for the word minister is the word lithogos. Where you get the word lethargy. So the word lithogos here is the same word that was used for when the priest offer sacrifices and bent it unto the Lord. So anytime you are giving a seed, it's an incense sacrifice in the sight of God. So anytime you give seed, you have not just sown to a man, you have ministered like a priest, even in the sight of God. Even in the sight of God. And see what Philippians 4 said again. Philippians 4.17. Can we go there? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. That your account, 18. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See what he said. But I have all and I abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. Can I say this to you? In the priestly sacrifices, I said to you, burnt offerings and sacrifices of sins, that has had no pleasure. 
In the priestly sacrifices, there were sacrifices that God called sweet savor sacrifices. And chiefest amongst it was burnt offering. So anytime you are giving a seed to the service of God, to the man of God, to the people that gave birth to you, that action is at the level of offering burnt offerings to the Lord. And it's sweet smelling to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Paul uses it again over here. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Aha. All right. Go to verse 5. Now, in Hebrews 13, Paul was now linking something very interesting. Aha. And verse 6. He was dealing with covetousness. Then in verse 7, he said, What does verse 7 say? Aha. Remember them that have rule over you. All right. Verse 8. Consider the end of their salvation. Then go down to verse 15. Go down to verse 15. Then he was speaking about from verse 7. He started speaking about remembering those who are your pastors, are your men of God, who watch over you. But he said, when he was ending it in 15, he says, let him therefore offer the sacrifice of praise. The, the, the rendition here, the sacrifice is also the bull. The sacrifice here in the, in the Greek speaks of the bull offering. The bull offering of praise to God continually. So he says that the giving of thanks is your bull offering to God. So he's saying in the New Testament, the way you give a bullock to God is by your thanksgiving. The way you give your offering to God is by your thanksgiving. But he says now this, that it's not just in thanksgiving, verse 16. It's not just in thanksgiving, but to do good. And the word bad, that interjection means that I'm not just talking about giving thanks. He said to also do good. Don't forget that one. So you are giving thanks. You are praising the Lord. He said it's a bull sacrifice to the Lord. By saying that giving thanks is not enough. You must also communicate. Sow seeds. He said for these sacrifices is well pleasing to God. And that's what shocked me. God never calls tithe well pleasing. God doesn't call arms giving well pleasing. It's giving seed to your man of God. Giving seed to the service of God. That's what God calls well pleasing sacrifice. Those are the offerings that are sweet smelling to God. But to do good and communicate, forget not. Because in context, he started from verse 7. Don't forget them that have rule over you. Because they watch over your soul. He said, don't re remember them that have ruled over you, that have spoken the word of God unto you. So he said, watch all this in context. There's a certain kind of giving. And he says, in giving, you must realize that this is the offering that is well-pleasing to God. When I found out, I was shocked that, wow, God is so pleased that I've so destroyed my flesh to see another human being and say, get $1,000. And it does not affect my thoughts. That dimension of selflessness, God said, wow, well-pleasing. It's a bent offering. But many people give and they become the GRA officers of the church. That, oh, this is sewing conference, uh, we are 3,000 in number, so if everybody gives 100 Ghana crowd, hey, that's a lot, oh, 300,000, mm -hmm, that's a lot of money. Hey, wow, this ministry, they are getting money. Pa. So if everybody gives 100 Ghana, so it means a lot of economy got 300,000, wow, wow, wow. No, you are not a GRA officer. <laughs> it's not well-pleasing to the Lord. He said, give. And leave it to the Lord. I'm telling you, the reason why it is a sweet smelling savor that blesses God so much is because 
of this dimension is because of this dimension. He says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for such sacrifices pleases the Lord. Beloved, seed sowing is the sacrifice that pleases the Lord. Tithes was not described as such. Free will offering was not described as such. Even first fruit was not described as such. He said, it is the sacrifice seed you give to a person, a man of God, a man in authority, that is well-pleasing to the Lord. And well-pleasing, like I said, according to what Philippians said, is a sweet-smelling savor. It was in the category of burnt offerings. So anytime you sow a seed, and I said you sow a seed to a progenitor of life, spiritual parentage or biological parentage is sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. Hallelujah. So much more, finally, I want to touch on two things. Firstly, I want to touch on a principle that ensures a harvest. The principle that ensures a harvest. In Galatians 6 verse 7, he says that if you do not give to God, you are mocking God. And not mocking, he says anytime someone teaches you the word, indoctrinates you with the concept of God and you fail to bless that person because that indoctrination made you confess and you got your breakthrough. That indoctrination made you go to work and say, I'm going to be excellent in my work and you had a contract. He said, you failing to do this is what you have, what scripture calls mocking God. And this mocking is the word mockterizo, to hoot at God. And Bible says that when you do this, that action will make God also mock at you when you need money. So you are doing woo-woo to God. God will also do woo-woo to you. <laughs> I remember one day I was in church and pastor brought my mind to a certain scripture when he was about to preach. I think camp meeting five years ago in Proverbs 1. Yeah. How that wisdom is calling. And you are not listening. He said the day you also need him, you also not mind you. <laughs> That's it. You are so in. So when it's time to bless and you are becoming grudging, I'm telling you something. Beloved, oh, I'm telling you something. If you read the account of Paul when he was talking about in Philippians 1, he said because of the people who have given it, he had a certain heart for them. There's a way you give and God will even interrupt your man of God's sleep for you. I'm telling you. There's a way you give. Elisha was coming to town all the time. Nobody cared to know where he sleeps. Only a widow said, uh, 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 the Shunammite woman said, ah, so this man has been coming to town all this. Nobody cares. He comes to minister and walks all the way out of town to the next town to sleep. He said, no, it's wrong. Let me make a room for him. And when room was made for the prophet, God also made room for her. <laughs> God also made room for her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You have no idea what seed does. It's a life principle. It continues life. And one of the things I've learned about seed is we, pay, we give seed all the time. All the time. But we don't know. For instance, when I go to a bakery and I tell the woman, I want to buy a cake. Now, I'm not a caterer. I don't know how to mix the flour. She has stood all night in front of the oven, the heat, the stress, everything. And she has packaged a small confectionery and I'm paying 50 CDs for it. Do you know what I've just done? I've used 50 CDs to purchase time, sweat, and experience. So anytime I sow seed, what would take me 10 years to learn by my effort? Seed will make me enter the experience of it and enjoy it with doubt. It's, it's the same thing in the spirit. The moment I put seed down, I've exchanged expertise. I've exchanged time. I've exchanged labor. The dangers you went through to see what you saw, my seed will make me not go through the danger, but I'll see the same thing you see. And sometimes even more. 
That's the blessing of seed. Don't miss the chance to sow. And I even encourage you, if you are coming for camp meeting, you are not in Ghana, you are missing a service, make sure your seed connects you. I always tell people. Because I remember the first time I had the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. And the person was traveling for a conference. And I heard the people are taking care of the man of God and his people, but they are not taking care of this man of God. So I asked, oh, how is he coming? So he's coming by bus. I said, oh. As soon as he said, the Holy Spirit said to me, he says, buy a ticket for him. So I said, oh, Lord. He said, yes, buy it. I said, okay. So immediately I said, okay. Uh, man of God, I would like to buy a ticket for this gentleman. He says, that's what he says. So I was going to buy one way, so that when he's done, he'll come by bus. <laughs> then the Lord said to me, he says, don't give a flawed seed. I said, what do you mean? He said, if it was you, would you like to fly and drive? I said, no, sir. He said, then buy two-way. Return ticket. So I just paid for the ticket. And I had not sat in a plane myself. Yet I was buying ticket for somebody. Do you know up to now, I don't buy for my own plane tickets. <laughs> God sends people to help me buy my tickets. As soon as they, someone even walked up me one month ago. He said, man of God, God has laid on my heart that anywhere you are traveling, I'm supposed to hand you your ticket. It, it said, you, if you saw that, and God said, you are also mocking God, I won't, I won't. The day you also need help, God will say, I want, I want. And if you are young, and especially those on campus and the young people, this is the time to start. Because in 20 years' time, your seed will speak for you. It will speak for you. It will speak for you. It will speak for you. All right. So finally, I want to touch on something. In Philippians 4, Paul says something, I think in verse 12. Philippians 4, 12. Yeah, I abound. 13. I can do all things. 14. Uh-huh. Notwithstanding, ye did communicate to me my affliction. 15. Uh-huh. When I was in Macedon, I departed from Macedon. No church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you. Now, this word, no church communicated to me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. The word receiving here is where we all get lost many times. But the Greek word that was used for receiving is the word receiting. Receiving. So he says concerning giving and receiving a receipt. Anytime you give, I just said to you, because he's not come to mention how the money shall abound to your account. So anytime you give, you have deposited it into your, firm, your heavenly account. And God sends you an invoice on earth. A day will come when you need harvest, you present your receipt. That's what he's saying. Concerning giving and receipting. It's a receipting process. See what 16 says. And how is that done? For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again. The problem with our seed life is that we give once a while. Giving is not done once a while. It must be done once and again. Go back to verse 9. <laughs> No, sorry, verse 11. Verse 11. See what, what, see what Paul is saying. Uh-huh. 12. See what 12 says. Okay. All right. Can you shoot verse 7 for me? I want to touch on verse 7 and 8. All right. Okay. So the peace of God shall garrison your hearts and keep your mind all through. Then verse 8 says what? Uh-huh. Are true. Whatsoever things are pure. Right. So please go to verse 18. Verse 18. Wonderful. 
He said he sent forth a sweet smelling savor of a sacrifice unto me. Now when Paul was talking here, he made a statement that really shook me when I saw it. And in Philippians chapter 4, in Paul's communication, verse 10, yeah, verse 10, he said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also were careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Beloved, many times after seed sowing conference, we go like, oh, I gave thousand cities. So I think that thousand has covered for the month. So next month, I'm not giving any money. I'm not, because I've given enough. But Bible says that attitude is lacking opportunity. What it means is this. If I give pastor a shoe, and next week, God tells me, buy him a suit too. Don't say because you bought him a shoe last week. Buy a shoe against waste of money. If I miss buying him the suit, I have lacked opportunity. Can you imagine? These are the people who have been given to him. Yeah. He said, you gave to me again. Your care for me has flourished. Yet, sometimes you lacked opportunity. The problem with our giving life is we are not too sensitive to the leadings of the Spirit, so we lack a lot of opportunities. There is a reason you hear a need your man of God has. That's an opportunity. Never lack opportunity. Because Paul said in verse 17, you gave once and again. It's called addictive giving. When you show up, you are always looking for something to give. What is missing here? Your ears are so down to the earth. You are listening intensely for what is missing so that you can meet the need. Because it is like cold water to a man that is tested as a good news is from a far country. And scripture is saying to us that you can bring water, but not all waters are cold water. There was a time if you brought pastor 100 cities, he would have been so glad that, wow, you are so spiritual. I need this money. Now, 100 Ghana cities, you will even take a step. It, it doesn't move any account. So if you lack opportunity, what it means to say is this, that the vessels of God's honor will graduate in glory and it will be too late for your seed to match up to the glory. So you can't, it, it makes nothing. It makes no interest. There was a day if you buy a shoe for your pastor, you wear it. But now if you buy a shoe for your pastor, his great man wear it. And you can't blame him because you didn't build up. And that is the mystery of following. Don't follow just with sight. Follow with giving. Because if you don't do that, the man will graduate and you are still behind. You are still behind. Hallelujah. Addictive giving. So I pray for the grace of God to come upon your life. Give. Give. Ecclesiastes 5.11 says that when goods are increased, they are increased that eat it. So the way to increase your finances is to increase where you are giving. That's all. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. So it means that the way to increase your giving is how you increase your goods. And increasing your goods means that your giving must be commensurate. So the more the giving, the more the goods. So last year, what you gave, you must change it this year. One of the financial visions you should have every year is my amount of money I give every year must change. You must sit down and say, Lord, I've been giving one CD for a while. Just about 10 years ago, I used to give one CD in church. One Ghana. I used to sit and say, ah, how long shall I walk in this affliction of the flesh? One CD. Wow. That's serious. And I say, if I don't take care, I'll be broke for a long time. So I said, Lord, show me. Then I had an encounter with, an, with the Lord, and the Lord said to me, he says, Ecclesiastes 4, 5 says, before and 5, do not give the, fool, the vow of a fool. 
And do not say before your angel, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4, do not say before your angel it was an error. Then I said, Lord, what does that mean? He says, because your angels are observing the way you give your offering. That's what he says. Uh-huh. Verse 5, and do not say, aha, uh-huh. all right. I think from verse 3. He said, do not say before your angel. I think is this 6 or 7. He said, do not say before your angel. It was an error. Because the moment you communicate inconsistency in the spirit, your blessing is also inconsistently delivered. Your blessing must be consistent according to your giving. According to your giving, your blessing must be consistent. Beloved, it must be consistent. So if I give God 5 CD today, it means I've come to a realm where it's only 5 CD I give. I cannot go below that. That's why you don't do it out of the flesh. Do it in the spirit. Do it in the spirit. A lot of you went to vow that, oh, pastor, I'll be giving 1,000 guys because you thought this year, because of you are working, you can give 1,000. Think about it, that when you are not working, will you still give the 1,000? That's how you give. Because when the moment you say for you is an error, you are playing that, I'm not sure. In the spirit. So God told me, says, the reason why your finances are fluctuating is because you give 5 CD today, you give 2 CD tomorrow, you give 10 CD tomorrow. It says, though you are giving values at varying dimensions, it's not consistently available for your angel to see that this is what you need. So I said, Lord, then help me. He said, start with five. No matter what I went through, some way, somehow, I always had five cities to give God. Then the Lord said to me, let's go to ten. I said, hey, two times. He said, let's go. So I started ten cities. Then I went to fifteen. Then I went to twenty. Then I went to fifty cities. Then I went to hundred cities. He said, every time, hundred cities. So even up to now, there are seeds I have for covenant ministries I go to. There are seats I have for the church I fellowship in. There are seats I have for invited ministries I'm invited to. God tells me the kind of seed I have to give everywhere. The greatest vision for your finances should be a discussion of how much you want to give him before God. And as I end, as I end, we see the rose flower and we see all the beautiful flowers that are available in the world. But strangely enough, the Bible spoke about giving in Matthew chapter 6 and Ecclesiastes chapter 11 that giving is light. Giving is light. And all these flowers, when you take the daffodil, you take the daisies, they are yellow. What it means is that they've given off all their colors and they retained yellow. Then you see another flower with red petals. They've given all the colors and they've retained red. That's why we see red. But the other colors, they've given it all off. But there are certain flowers to that are daisy, white. They've given all their colors and what is left is white, no color. That's how giving is. Your wealth is not measured in what you retain. It is measured in what you have released. That is the wealth of the believer. So the currency of your spiritual weight it's according to what has left you. So he said to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, thy arms given and thy prayers have come as a memorial before the Lord. They are givings that are recorded as citations in heaven. Because one of the greatest proof that a man is walking in glory and is walking in the light is his giving ability. So if you're unfaithful in a righteous mammon, who shall commit to you true riches? So money is a great valuation of the level of spirituality you walk in. One day, Kenneth Higgins said, God came to him after 15 years and said to him, he said, Kenneth, do you remember seven years ago I told you to give all your heart for that traveling minister? He said, yes. 
He said, do you remember after a while, two years later, five years ago, another minister came to town and I said, empty your account for him. And you were concerned. And the Lord said to him, he said, Kenneth, I could not have used you the way I'm using you if you kept the money. Some of you have missed opportunities for the anointing because you were holding money. Your first test in ministry is given. You must know this. And the moment you enter this reality and truth, Ecclesiastes 2 will come to pass, verse 26. He giveth travail to the unbeliever. But to him that is good before the Lord. See what scripture says. He said to him that is good before the Lord, God will give him wisdom, joy, knowledge. But he will give travail to the sinner so that the sinner will gather and heap up for God to give back to you who is good before him. So learn to be good in the way you handle finances so that God will give travail to unbelievers and their money will traverse to you. As they receive travailing, the travailed money will traverse to you so you can prevail in the spiritual life we have been given. Paul said he has dispersed abroad and he will cause his righteousness to be established. Isaiah also said it in Isaiah 54. See what the scripture said, Isaiah 54, verse 14. Isaiah 54, verse 14. He says, In righteousness thou shalt be established. And Psalm 112, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, His giving has established him in righteousness. So he's saying the establishment of righteousness is what makes you far from oppression and fear and from terror. And nothing evil shall come near thy dwelling. Verse 15. Verse 15. He says, Behold, they will gather, but their gathering is not of him, so he shall be scattered. 16. 16. He said, Behold, he created the blacksmith who made the weapon, and he has created the waster to destroy. But 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Beloved, when you give, it establishes righteousness. And the establishment of righteousness is your defense against warfare. You have no idea what giving does in warfare. One day, man of God was praying, and he said, When he was praying, the Holy Ghost said to him, Give, you give. When the forces of darkness rise up against you, I will deliver you. Then I was praying and meditating. And the man of God also shared again and said, When you give, I will give you the privileges of redemption. Beloved, many of us know the rights of redemption. We shall not be sick, we shall not, but the privileges of redemption is the kind of blessing and portfolio of God that makes you live a life where strange sicknesses don't find you. Your children are always favored above others. Because you don't know, tight even secures your, pros your prosperity for posterity. <laughs> there are blessings your children will enjoy because you pay tight. <laughs> a woman said, well, a, son, a son gave a testimony that he was drowning in Ghana on, in a, the, the beach. And when he was drowning, he cried and cried and said, Father, remember my mother's tights. And he said, all of a sudden, he passed out. He said, when he opened his eyes, he was on the shore and saw a large turtle go back to the sea. A turtle, and he was in Liberia. A turtle had carried him from Ghana to Liberia because he shouted a prayer. Remember my mother's tight. Tight secures the blessing of your, prosperity, your posterity. So Levi paid tight in the loins of Abraham. So Levi was blessed by reason of Abraham's titan. <laughs> but today I'm emphasizing on giving. Addictive giving. Because giving is that which provides divine resources and defense against the weapons of the enemy. He said because your righteousness is established, you will be far from oppression. 
Your giving is that which establishes righteousness. And 112, 2 Corinthians 9, that established righteousness is that which makes no weapon that is fashioned against you prosper. Many people quote this and they are stingy. Many people quote this and they are mocking God. Beloved, the day disaster shows up, there is no account for which God should deliver you. I told you, there is no receipt for you to cash that money that is yours. But once upon a time, Hezekiah told the Lord, remember my offerings. And the Lord said, you are right. He said, before Isaiah left the house, Hezekiah put God to remembrance concerning this giving. And God told Isaiah, tell him that I've reversed his years. He will not die again. He's received 15 more years. Someone's giving secured 15 more years of living. I'm telling you something. Establish righteousness. It's your defense against the weapons of the enemy. There are things Satan is throwing, cancer, strange diseases. Whether you're a Christian or not, if you don't have faith, it will come your way. But sometimes you are defenseless. Your faith is low, but your giving can stop it because it is established righteousness. I call you to a place that you know that this giving is righteousness and there are blessings to the giving. Receive the grace to be an addictive giver. You give in the morning, in the evening, you don't withhold your hand. You sow a little here, a little there. Because you know not what evil shall befall the earth. You sow your seed. You don't observe the clouds. Neither do you consider the winds. You are giving all the time. And God will establish his righteousness and cause his light to show forth. I call you to that place. If you are giving, tell the Lord, today I want to give a seed that will bless you. A seed that will minister to you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the preparation is of the heart, but the answer is of the tongue. Beloved, God does not just want your money. He wants a prepared money. How do I mean? Let your heart be in the preparation. So it means that the way your heart enters your giving is the preparation that leads to the day you give. A lot of you go like, okay, they say we are giving. I didn't even know. Let me just look for something in my pocket. And you just put it there. No, 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 no. The preparation is of the heart, but the answer is of the tongue. So what it means is that you have to make sure that before you come, that's why he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that every man ought to give as he has purposed in his heart. The purpose in the heart is the preparation that leads the heart to be mingled with your treasure. So that the day you put the offering on the altar, the preparation made the heart enter the offering. So by the time you put it on the altar, your heart is also there. And you never miss the blessing of God. It's time to become deliberate in your giving. It's time to use giving as a weapon. It's time to use giving as a means that expresses the righteousness of God and brings you to the truth of God's life. Father, glorify your people and let there be hundredfold increase as they sow, justify their sowing. Express your life speedily because they have sown. Bless your people on every side and let it be the beginning of heaven on earth in everything they do. In Jesus' mighty name, I declare so. I call it done. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.